that's the police with uh, Synchronicity 2 live from 1983. Welcome back to Life MMA in the NBA UF, UFO episode. I'm your host, DJ San Marco, but today is actually an episode that I've named specifically uh, for my guest, and uh, I'm going to call this one Chillin' with McGrillin'. So, party people, put your hands together for none other than Andy McGrillin'. And the crowd goes mild. And yeah. the crowd goes mild. <laughs> Your wit, man. Your wit is just, you know, you talked about the Scottish aggression. You know, you play football. Uh, how many nights a week are you playing football? Uh, just now, two, to try and get rid of some of the fat that I've put on over the last um, 20 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, since the pandemic, but no, since 20. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I was I was going to say something really bad there, but I won't. Uh, yeah, it's it's been a long time. This weight's been on, so yeah, it's uh, it needs to come off. It's Christmas weight from Christmas '99, um, so it's uh, it's hung around. But yeah, it needs to come off. Christmas '99. <laughs> I call myself fat all the time, and uh, I don't care. It just keeps me wanting to work out. So I'm I'm totally. Well, well the listeners won't know that you're sitting in uh, all spandex. You're you're repping Eddie Murphy from the Nutty <laughs> Professor just now. I am, I am. I'm in. I'm in. The only thing I'm missing, I wear these neoprene shorts. I don't know if Ross was wearing these or not. Ross is an animal. He's on another another level than me. But the neoprene shorts are kind of float you a little. So in the water, it kind of gives you a little bit of lift of your hips while you're swimming. So I've got a shitload of gear that I wear a snork dual snorkel and all kinds of things that I use that uh, the real swimmers that just friggin' dive in with the goggles and a swim cap and uh and jammers you know those guys uh, they have my respect so if i if i try to go outdoor swimming i think uh, greenpeace would come along and try and take me out of the water make sure it was okay <laughs> like i do too i have to watch out for all the the boats with trump flags that are uh, <laughs> that are that are zipping by me but no actually they're they're fairly uh, you know, uh, they take care when they go by me and, and they're pretty responsible. So um, I haven't had a problem. And, and actually, when you're out, I wear a shark band around my ankle now that is supposed to uh, shoo away the sharks. But um, it is, you do feel comfort when you see a boat out there because you know if something happens, you know, you have a possible rescue. Whereas when you're by yourself, you know, even though I'm only maybe quarter mile from shore, half mile, it's, significant you know so mm. um but yeah so anyway i don't want to bore people with uh with my my swimming talk because we're here to pick on the expertise of andy mcgrillin chilling with mcgrillin is this episode and every time he comes on it will be chilling with mcgrillin um to talk about what's going on in ufos i see everybody is wigged out about lou being on uh this week with george stephanopoulos right yes uh, there's, it's almost getting hard to keep up with the media appearances just now um, between Lou Elizondo kind of ramping things up a little bit and I think even he's been on Fox quite a lot but he, he's getting more and more serious I think and not that he's never been serious Chris Mellon on CNN with Sean Cahill and Sean Cahill's been uh, on different networks in America he's done a lot of stuff in Australia uh, he's been on the UK which is really nice um, Sean is the most handsome man in ufology or UF. <laughs> I, I don't. I do know what. I won't say ufology because I think people seem to recently really want to get away from ufology. I think when they talk about ufology, 
I just think that is UFOs, but you, you think of the people who do the cruise circuits and they've got books to spin on Nazi bases in Antarctica and things like that. So, but yeah, in the subject of <laughs> UFOs and UAPs, like Sean Cahill, he's he's right up there. I'm I'm talking to him tomorrow for my podcast. Yes. Um, and yeah, I, I, I you know I keep in touch with Sean regularly. He's a really good guy, and but it was really nice to hear him talk on UK networks as well because just in the last couple of weeks, with so much going on in the US the UK have had to grudgingly start to pay a lot of attention and a lot of our newspapers and, and media who would normally totally shy away from UFOs at all are starting to change the headlines a little bit and you're just seeing should we be discussing this and mm -hmm. is this a conversation we actually have to look at seriously they're actually asking themselves the questions and admitting that we've joked about this for a long time but mm -hmm. maybe it's not a joke and then like you say like uh you guys always say like former president or president don't you even if they aren't anymore but like president obama mm -hmm. um president biden have all had little bits in the last week as well so it, just the last week's been crazy let alone what's coming up so it's uh just trying to keep on track of everything on the subject of mr cahill i am fat i really think he's kind of like Lou is fascinating to listen to and you can sort of listen to Lou over and over and over on different shows and you kind of never get bored of hearing him talk and Sean Cahill is the same way and I found a particular connection with him listening to Christina Gomez's uh, show with him uh, and if you what's the name of her show to plug it is it do you know the name of it? Uh, the shifting the Paradigm Shifting the Paradigm thank you she's fantastic it's the YouTube YouTube one yeah right yeah it's a YouTube channel and she has a face for YouTube, unlike myself. Um, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But, uh, <laughs> far, far more aesthetic than myself, <laughs> exactly. yeah. But um, Sean's a yogi, uh, clearly, like myself, and he's into meditation uh, more than I am, but I think he's a yogi, and, and he's very introspective about himself, particularly, I think he said, I think she asked him if he sort of ramped that up after this incident as a way to get control of this you know his mental health and and maybe dealing with what he saw uh and what he experienced and uh, so i i would be very interested to talk to him and i'll i want to i hate to to dive into this but i ended up chatting with lou jimenez just a little bit last night regarding this topic because first of all i want to say i'm a huge fan of lou and i would like to my bucket list item is for him to come on and at the end of the show for us to do a scene from Godfather 2 where he's Michael Corleone, I'm Fredo, and it's the last conversation they have before Fredo goes out on the boat and ends up, you know, getting shot in the back of the head. Um, do you know what? For some reason, I thought you said Frodo, and I was like, that's what the Ring says. <laughs> Samwise Gantt. I was like, this, this took a turn. Like, okay, I mean, that's, that's fine, but yeah. And then, was, oh, wait, yeah, no, okay, right, yeah, I get you. So you've seen The Godfather too. You know the scene I'm talking about where he basically, Fredo comes clean that he betrayed the family. And that mm -hmm. conversation between he and Michael, if I could play that with a real actor, that 60 seconds of dialogue, it would be a bucket list item. So I'm hoping that Lou will take pity on me and, and do that scene with me since he's a real professional actor. What do we I'll, give, I'll, give, I'll give them a shout. I'll, I'll tell them. Sean and... Uh, Sean and Sean and Lou. I'll, I've just reminded myself to speak to them for you. I'll oh, yeah. tell them to. Absolutely, yeah. I would love to. Uh, I'd love to speak with them. I'd like to do, you know, some some stuff with Lou. That's a little. So he doesn't. I'm not asking him the same questions, but some different stuff that uh, he might enjoy and get a giggle out of. Um, but so Lou. So last night on Lou's episode, 
they were talking about, first of all, have you seen Carrier and are you familiar with that documentary? I have been recommended it before you told me about it, but I've not watched it yet. I'm sure Dan, my regular co-host, if anyone's followed the podcast, has sent me that over before, or Graham, who's part of UAP Media UK, uh, have talked about that before. So I've not watched it yet. It's Obviously, it's more of an interest to you with the, the, the military stuff. Like You'll have loved it, no doubt. Like Not at all. Not It actually has a whole... The reason I watched it was very simple. My boss's son was going to go into the Navy, and he was going to be aboard a carrier. And I said, I'll watch a couple episodes and kind of see what it's about. Uh, and the fact that to kind of know how the Navy lives. I don't know a lot about the Navy. I know little bits and pieces and tangents about the Navy. But the reason I bring that up is because there was someone on Lou's show last night who was saying that Fravor was just a pilot like Alex was a pilot and not her commander, that the air boss was their commander. And I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about at all. You are categorically wrong about that. He was her commander. He was the VFA-41 air wing commander, which means everybody who flew an airplane on there reported to him. Or at least they so flew an FA-18. That, that's where, and I think I've always been really honest in this subject, like I will never make up or try and talk about stuff that I don't know. So when I've been really lucky to speak to so many military guys like yourself and, and Sean and Lou, and I would never even pretend to, to use the language or the lingo because I hate it the best of times trying to say to Sean, oh, you were the chief master at arms. And I'm he like, is that a, right? Is it not? A, or? Yeah, he was a master chief and then above him was the senior chief, I believe. From what he so said, I, the other I keep it. I keep it pretty simple. But yeah, I think there's a lot of people on the subject, and even I mean, I'm I'm pretty new in terms of podcasting and stuff to it as well. And I've, I've been lucky just over a year, but there's a lot of new people as well. And I think a lot of people hear a lot and just assume rather than find out for themselves or double check facts and or bring somebody on. And I'm not saying yeah. me because I would be secondary. I wasn't in the navy. Sean Cahill, who's never flown an airplane in his life, can tell you the entire chain of command of that boat, or a carrier yeah. group for that matter. Yeah. But you spouting off contextualizing dialogue between Fravor and Dietrich and saying, oh, well, he wasn't even her boss. No, actually, he is her boss. And if you watch Carrier, you're going to get to watch the entire right. This basically takes place right after Tic Tac because you understand that was the workup for the deployment that was filmed in the documentary by PBS Carrier. So you're going to see Fravor at that time, Alex at that time, right after. Probably, a I can't imagine how long they did that training. Couldn't have been more than 60 days, maybe, training before deployment. So that close. Well, I've got Alex coming on the podcast pretty soon, so that'll be that'll be good to speak to Uh Man, bring me on. I'll be, I'll be with you and Dan. I'll be like, Alex. So, well, yeah, I want to, you know, joke, do a little Air Force Navy fun, um, you know, with her. And um, so that, that if I end up getting her on, that's what I would do. So She's very nice. Drop her a message. Yeah. yeah I'll, could I DM her or do I just say, because I, I did it. You saw me put it on regular Twitter, but I don't know if I can DM her or not because she's not following uh... me. 
Uh, I, don't, I don't want to do the whole she follows me. I don't know why she That's follows okay. me, but yeah, well, she does. I, I um... know why she follows you because you're good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. No. So, anyway, the, the, the dem aliens, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the other thing was they said they were talking about security clearances. And they said, oh, well, Lou, you know, I mean, he has a security clearance forever. That is categorically not true. He doesn't have a security clearance forever. So, I want to clear this up. You it have, gets renewed, doesn't it? It gets renewed. Every five years, if you're TS, every five years you have to get a reinvestigation. As I said to Lou on on, uh, on Twitter, my I think I said to him on DM, mine dropped dead February of this year, February 2021, which means I am bumped down now to secret. Your adherence to the, to the NDA lasts forever or until it's declassified. There's never, there is no statute of limitations on that, but it's good for five years. However, this is what's important to understand. In order to get classified information, to be in a briefing, you either have to be in a contractual position, a contractor position to the government, a government civilian, or if you're an active duty in the DOD, reservist, etc. In order to get an investigation, because I even tried this with my companies, like, hey, can you reinvestigate my top top secret? And they said no. And I said, and they said you're not in a position that requires it now, so we can't, we can't, because in order to initiate that that investigation with OPM, you have to show this person has applied for this position or currently serves in this position, and then they start the investigation, you fill out the SF-86, and then they go and interview everybody that you ever knew, including you, and ask you questions about what you put on that form. So Lou is was a government civilian, a GS civilian, after his active duty career. So he maintained his TS, and he could have been reinvestigated if it were to run out during his tenure, right? Um, so he can access classified then, now, at least technically, he can't unless somebody just decides to call him and tell him something, which could happen for all I know. I have no idea what, what, what information that he can get, but he can't go sit in on a classified briefing unless he is in a position where he has been granted access. And right now, as far as I know, I don't know who he works for, if anybody. Okay. If, he, if he works for somebody, if he's a contractor... Yeah. Um. Then I was sure. going to say, like, if 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 he was a contractor, then 100%. maybe he would still have access. Yeah. Not not maybe he could because I had yeah. access as a contractor. Any contractor can get access, but you have to be in a position where you're then grant. You can't just be. I'm retired. I'm at home. My clearance is still good, so I'm just going to go sit in on a briefing. You know, you you can't do that. You have to be designated in some sort of a position. To, to be granted access beyond that, that was why when, when i interviewed lou my first question was lou can you just explain what a security clearance actually is because a lot of people online are assuming what it is and what it does entail what it doesn't entail and that he, he was oh do you know what i'm glad you've asked and he he spent a few minutes and for some people they might have been like I talk about the spaceships i talk about this i talk about the footage and i was like i think that's really important to find out like what is it you actually can and can't say and why and what are you and why are you choosing not to say certain things because i get people's frustration but I, I get why he's a very patriotic guy and he's you know he's quite set on this is what i can and can't say and he, he never deviates from that as well so he's not the type of guy you can try and 
and trip up. Personally, I I would like to think that he's he's involved with the task force and the task force report. Um, he, he I, it's be. not something he's came out and said, but I I would like to think and hope privately that he is. Me too. He and maybe he is. But but do you remember? And I know he. I listened to that episode. I don't recall it now because it was quite a while ago. I know you reposted it, but I listened to it when it was originally posted. And do you remember he said the most important part to access classified information is a need to know. To have a need to know, you have to be read into a program that you're currently working in. I can't, even if my clearance was still good, just go say, oh, well, I have a top secret clearance, so why don't you tell me about this? Because I lack the need to know. And that includes, and tell me if I'm wrong, right the way, like presidential level, like you, you don't... Any level. And that's and, why when, like, at that, and that's where I, I know you'll probably get to it, but you know when Obama was asked about when I first came into office, and he's not the first president or former president that's said that he asked, and they always come out and say the same thing, that they are told, no, we don't have any bodies, or no, we don't have this, or, or it's probably the no, that's not something you need to know. Because you don't, just because you're in charge of most of the country or the country or whatever you're in charge of, doesn't mean you need to know about this, this or this. And that's because you're gone in four years, you're gone in eight years. Some of these guys are there for 15, 20, 30 years, and, and that kind of moves on. So I... Uh, I've got my own thoughts about like the Obama comments and the Biden comments and stuff as well. So, um, I I think I've been a little more positive than a lot of people seem to have been online. And I get people's frustrations with those comments as well, especially Biden's. But uh, I I don't have the political affiliations that Americans have with with their politics and everything, which I get. But um, well, for, I'm I'm like that in the UK. Leaving leaving politics out of it, that you. There, there are program names. Lou's name had a program. It probably had a classified name. I don't know what it was or care. But whoever was read into that program was privy to that information that was shared with that program. As I mentioned to you, I'm pretty sure there's some sort of a program at Area 51. I don't know what they have, but there is a program. If Lou is not read into that program, he doesn't know what information they have and they do not know what information Lou has at ATIP or Wright Pat or Los Alamos or Fravor out on that carrier has a TS clearance. He has no need to know what's going on in the Pentagon at ATIP. If obviously ATIP didn't exist then, but whatever if if it was that prior program, that predecessor program. But that's the point that that uh, I was trying to get across. You have to have a need to know. Lou may have be in a position right now, as you said, we hope that he is, where he's read in and he has a need to know and he's getting information perhaps, or he's part of it. I hope he is because he's, you know, obviously, you know, the, the, uh, the, the poster behind you speaks to that. But people saying that the clearance lasts forever and that's why this, it's like, you know, Tom Nichols wrote this book called, let me see what it says here, The Death of Expertise. The campaign against established knowledge and why it matters. So if all of these military guys are available that you could get, why don't you get them on and ask them instead of conjecturing about how events unfolded based on information that's not correct? That's that's that would be my question to any host out there. For and maybe this is maybe this was drilled into me in the military, because if you get into a meeting room or a post mission brief and you start trying to BS, 
someone is going to call you out and make you look like an idiot in front of everybody if you don't know what you're talking about or you're talking out of turn they're going to say stay in your lane you don't know what you're talking about at which point i would go if if i talk and i'm sure there were times i did talk out of turn but not that many because it only takes a few of those to uh to to then say oh okay i should shut up about this topic because i sounds like i don't know what some of these other people in the room know so as i had told people before if if david fravor would it were to sit in on an air force special operations command meeting of aviators he would shut up because if he started to speak up with authority they'd be like okay commander fravor i realize you're a top gun pilot you don't understand this mission you don't know what you're talking about the same would happen if either of those other two groups were sitting in with a group of apache guys <laughs> so yeah. so it's very specific and we have in our community people speaking with authority like mick west that don't know what they're talking about that haven't been trained and that sound really stupid lou however our friend Lou Jimenez did convince me of how he would moderate that debate and turned me around 180 on Mick West, but I wanted to get your take on that. Uh, so Because he, he's arguing with Ryan Graves the other day. On Yes, I saw, yeah. Um, and Ryan Graves is very gracious in, in the mm-hmm. argument um, because he admitted where he had changed the language he had used. Um, and he admitted in the moment he said one thing that to people like me i wouldn't i wouldn't pick up on but he said oh, maybe that was incorrect to say what i said but and, and there was also something to do with the radar target or the lock that he had on and they mentioned that the objects he's, he's made an assumption that the objects that they spotted could have or he assumes they would have been the spheres inside the cubes mm-hmm. but he didn't have a direct visual if that's the right language that that's what was there he was just assuming it looked like those because he had seen that previously. So he assumed, and, and he was honest. Um, uh, and do you know what, right? I, I unfollowed Mick because people had told me to do it as well, and I should have because I don't agree with a lot of the stuff he does, and I don't want to go on about him too much because the guy's got an expertise in video game design. That's his background, okay? So I, I don't think he's in a place to be sitting telling pilots that they're, what their job or what they did or didn't see. Um, but he did do a lot of good work when I mean, it was the, the the election stuff and various different bits and pieces he does that's not to do with UFOs. Mick does a lot of good work like that, which is great. That's fine. But when it comes to this topic, there's a lot of things he basically... He takes... If, if you had A, B, C, and D that are all pieces of evidence to come up with a you know, hypothesis or a solution or an answer, he'll take A and a little bit of B part of c but he won't discuss d because that doesn't fit and he'll come and say well here here yeah here's the answer and i i don't and not that mick cares what i've got to say okay but i just wish mick west would put and i've dm'd him in the past um i wish he would just say on his videos that just in my opinion or this is one possible outcome or this is one possibility but he doesn't he comes at it with a here's why it's not this here's why it's not this and it's like potentially you're right that potentially it could just be a balloon or it could just be this but given we've got these people who are in far better positions than us like for example the the video of the the pyramid ufos okay let's talk about it yeah i'm a little skeptical of the pyramid thing okay only because i can't see a pyramid i see a triangle but people 
on board, apparently, said Pyramid. I see Pyramid. Okay. Personally. Right. Either way, Pyramid or not, I think the Pyramid thing adds a level to it, doesn't it? That it's even more spectacular than just a flat black triangle or flat triangle. If you are out on board, whatever they're on board, and they have, what, and I'm going to use the proper layman's because that's what I am here, they have all these different amazing systems, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm sure they know when a commercial airline is passing overhead. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, and that they don't send a, is it called a Snoopy team? Yep. The Snoopy. Uh, uh, it was something yeah. like that. I'm sure it was, it was the name of the team that they mm-hmm. basically, it's not as if that guy was there with that night vision going, oh, I'm just having a look at the stars and look at that flying about. <laughs> that's you know it's like that's what people have looked at and it's like no he was sent out to look at that because they have picked up using other systems different stuff okay so i get mick doesn't have access to all of that like i don't as well but this is where we differ because i will look at it and go i'm taking using faith that what's been released is is correct and there was other data that corroborated what they saw and the testimony and that there was something that wasn't easily explained in the sky above them that was worth them investigating and worth being labeled as unidentified as opposed to watching a video and going ah i can recreate a very very similar video mm-hmm. by swinging a bar of soap around a koi pond outside my house which he mm-hmm. done in one of his videos right mm-hmm. and going look it looks kind of similar mm, yes yeah. it looks kind of similar but you've not got data telling you this this and this You've just shat on everybody on that boat that said, I saw something I can't identify. One thing that we don't, that, that people don't take into account is a couple of things. Starting at macro, and then we'll go into the actual looking through that, looking through that night vision device. So a carrier group, are they just floating around and anybody could just fly into that space and then not know about it or intercede or interdict that target how do they protect themselves do you, do you i mean are you aware of how they roll so to speak they have a radar net around that group so that you know that aegis cruiser is like i i've interacted with the aegis cruiser flying over the arabian gulf they were mm-hmm. in air traffic so you check in with the aegis cruiser you give them your call sign they know you're coming they look on their sheet they're checking your iff your mode four and then they're giving you clearance to pass through their airspace and onto the other side, pass you on another controlling agency. So, so in order for a drone or an aircraft or somebody, you have to penetrate the, the protective radar net. Otherwise, couldn't any aircraft just come and just penetrate and just you know take a dive, take a kamikaze dive? onto? Of course they could. So they create a net of, of radar around them with, with your IFF with your TCAS, your Link 16 for aircraft that are already flying. So in case somebody slews to that target, everybody can see what it is. That gentleman explained it much better than I ever will in his video, that gentleman Alpha Alpha Space or something. So, so now we have something that people are saying a drone or something of unknown origin was able to get 100 miles out, out in the water, because they say they talked to all the nearby ships they could have launched one of the things and was able to penetrate their radar net undetected and fly within visual range of a night vision device clearly in the weather and it was a and it was a and perhaps is it a drone that's dangling that that glowing pyramid well then you're saying that 
that whatever type of vehicle this was, if it were dangling what we saw on that, then it was able to do so without the Navy being able to detect that. And I find that extreme, you know, Chris Mellon talked about it, right? He said you the kind of loiter time you would have to have, the infrastructure you would need around something that would be able to do that, something that didn't have a heat signature that they could see on IR. So all these things have to fall into place for the Navy to say, we don't see anything, we just see this pyramid and we don't know what it is. But you're supposed to discount all that and just say, oh, it's a drone that just flew in there. And like anything could just fly up to a carrier group like yeah. me, me in a 172 and say, hey guys, I'm here. And, and that's where although you get the people that will boil down to, oh, well, people make mistakes. Yes, they do, but not the kind of, and not that they can't make these mistakes, but there's there's too much other data that we don't and won't get access to that tells them why. And that's, that's where the argument just kind of has to stop because that's where you've got people like Mick and others who will just go, but yeah, but we don't have that and will give us the data. And well, that's not going to happen, is it? Like, no, that's, no. that's, that's your classified stuff. Sources and methods. Lou says all the time, sources and methods. We can't know about a geospatial radar or uh, imaging platform that's satellite based. And what if, if we show all that, then the adversaries can go, oh, okay, this is what they have. Like, for example, and I'm not saying this happened, but the Tic Tacs in 2004, we always hear they were tracked coming in from 80,000 feet. They don't say that they tracked them before 80,000 feet, but they'll tell you they tracked them coming in from 80,000. They probably saw them before then. Because or, the Aegis is a known did. technology, and they said the Aegis saw them, right? Yeah. But yeah, there are other it. technologies that aren't. Yeah, that tracked them coming in from higher. Right, perhaps. You know, so that's what that's what really annoys me. And that's why I kind of like why I think we give the guy. This is my personal opinion. I, re, I do like what Lou's idea is. I respect it and I will definitely listen to it. But what I'm saying is, why do we give this guy that much weight? And what I said to him on Twitter a little while ago is you have no expertise on what yep. they saw. None. Absolutely zero. Because as you said, when, when Ryan explained what he said, he went and said, well, what about the Tic Tac in 2004? So, oh, so now you're asking about an event he wasn't even there for because he talked you out of the first issue that you had with what he's, he explained the first thing. So then you went to the second thing. Then you want to do like we're interviewing a witness in a crime in the FBI with cameras on to go, oh, well, before you said this and now you said this. It was a long time ago, <laughs> you know? The, the yeah. basic tenor of what they said is these people absolutely will not BS about this topic because they don't even believe in this in this in this topic. Now they might, but before they did not, for sure. And that's where some I know I've seen some comments and I've had DMs off of listeners and stuff as well, like a little suspicious that Ryan Graves and Alex Dietrich have just appeared on social media. And why are they all of a sudden coming online now? And Ryan's Twitter account's been active since 2012, but he's never posted on it. And is it just for fame and for look? These they aren't making money oh, off yeah. networks. Yeah, it's like they're, they they're not wanted making... to become famous. Exactly. Yeah, and you, you can see Alex, and Alex is really charismatic, and she's very she's very different to a lot of the people who have come forward before. And do you know what? I could see Alex 
becoming quite the celebrity if she wanted to be because she seems very confident and spunky and feisty and i, I love she's told a few people I, I do i don't know if you swear in your podcast but to f off yeah go ahead. Or, go ahead. Or, or, yeah yeah she's told them fuck off on facebook go and stuff like that because it's yeah and it's great because why should she tiptoe around people trying to tell her what she did or didn't see or why she's wrong or why she and it's like well, no she's what, like no that's what i'm talking about how ridiculous this is is this guy who I would say this if it was a, a military pilot who had no training on their system. I would say the same thing. He's not even that. He's went but and read some forget, manuals. Forget even Mick. Just okay. uh, just any keyboard warrior sitting any, behind yeah. their Facebook or their Twitter yeah. who are telling some Top Gun pilot or some lieutenant commander or wh whatever level these people are get to, which are elite level regardless with how many flight hours under their belt and what they've done to be told by, you know, someone in Bumblefuck, Texas that, nah, they didn't know what they were talking about or they didn't see what they well, saw. And Here's the difference, Andy. Those people aren't being brought on all these shows as an expert. That's well, my that, issue. Yeah. The, that's, the, the my, the, that's my fucking problem with it. Is yeah, the you CNN thing made me sh shudder. Yeah. Uh -huh. You are giving this guy gravity. You're giving him weight by having him on as somebody who's an expert and he's not. That's my problem. It's not that, oh, well, DJ just wants to believe in UFOs, so that's why he doesn't want to hear from Mick West. That's not true. That's not true. I am listening to people that know what they're looking at and, and, and know when something is terrestrial or it's something else that they can't identify. Don't know what that is. Don't know. You have some great theories on stuff that may be actually just coming from cohabitating on this planet, possibly in our time and dimension, possibly not, possibly in the ocean. I don't know. I mean, these these are things I don't have any... Mamua Mua, I'm not going to come on to my podcast and start talking about Mamua Mua like I'm an expert because I know that's Avi Loeb. I'm not an ex, you know, but when it comes to military stuff and what a SME tells me, I'm going to put a lot of weight in that. And I am putting very close to zero weight in what Mick West says. And the more people that have him on, unlike Schmuck from, from Bumfuck, Texas or wherever, is people keep having him on to debate and frustrate. And I, he would, I would not have one of those pilots come on and debate him. Because I don't think he carries with him enough weight as a dissenter who, as Robert Covington said, he starts with a conclusion and then tries to find and build facts, misstatements, uh, inaccuracies in something they said now or 2004 or 2014, and then around that, build enough doubt that it looks like he doesn't know what he's talking about. But the video yeah. game guy does. Yeah. And the Sega Genesis guy. Tony Hawk's is a good game. Dude, I'm sure I'm sure the guy is is brilliant and all that, but I think having him come on all these shows, I think gives him an undue level of expertise that he does not possess. And do you I'm agree? I'm hoping and yeah, 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 I, I do, and I, I hope in the very near future that we can move past even having to have those conversations about those videos, and we can move on a little bit. And if we get if we get this picture of the alleged triangle coming out the water, that would be great. Mm -hmm. um if we can get the video of it that would be even better um 
because allegedly the video would show that when the triangle comes out of the water, the water doesn't displace and isn't moved in any way. So again, all that kind of stuff. And if this if this has got people within the intelligence community excited and other people round about who may or may not have seen it, then that kind of stuff could be very powerful, especially with the task force report coming up in 30-ish days from, from may, recording this. May I ask you a question, um, Andy? Does that tell you, if that is true, would that indicate to you, and I ask you because you have more expertise in this than I do, does that indicate that the triangle is not physical? Um, no, not necessarily. Okay. Uh, and I get you use the word expertise, God, that's loose, but I, I just in Compared my opinion, to me. Like, yeah, no, that's just opinion, but I suppose, like, if you're looking at if how the, this object is flying in the black triangles tend to. Um, well, there's been reports of these things going through mountains, like the transmedium travel, like going mm -hmm. through rock or whatever. But if it's how they're propelled, that they can, if they've got some kind of gravitational bubble or whatever around them, and you hear about gravitational lensing in mm -hmm. the gimbal video, um, then maybe, you know, that's how it's, it's not having to move through the same space time. But I, I, I would think the black triangles tend to always sound very nuts and bolts when you're looking at the conscious or non-physical aspect of the phenomenon, the black triangles more than likely are solid objects of which we, a lot of people seem to say we've got them as well, which when you look at conventional military aircraft and some of the really futuristic designs mm -hmm. that are, you start to see in expos and stuff and or like magazines or aviation experts will show you and it, you look and go, if we're seeing it now, it means it's been around a long time. And they're getting more and more triangular with less sort of wingspan looking and i get all that kind of stuff's disappearing but not to the extent where there's literally nothing on it with other than three lights in the corners like that's as short again we'll go to the cnn comments sean cahill was on with chris mellon and sean cahill mentioned about the technology being 100 to a thousand years at least advanced of what we have now and it was uh, was it uh, Cuomo who was asking him, and he's like, well, you know, what does that mean? And he's just talking about, well, this is technology that we don't have. If what our pilots uh, and navy and anyone else who are uh, who are encountering these objects were engaged by them in any way, they would not stand a chance. I, you, I mean, you you can tell me, but if if I'm if I'm in a craft that can travel at thirteen thousand miles an hour, if I just fly at your F. 17 or f18 and fly right through it i mean does that even necessarily damage what i'm in if i'm traveling at that speed like i i don't know so it's like if these things can do what they're doing like that the pilots doesn't matter what they've got on them it, it would literally be like watching independence day you know when they're shooting the missiles and they're just all going is it fox 2 locked on and they're just <laughs> shooting these things and they're just bouncing off them and that's that's what they're that's what they're getting at without using those references because Lou and Chris Mellon and Sean would never use those in mainstream media. But that's what they're getting at that these things we we can't do anything against if we had to. Well, two things. One thing, Chris. I just want to getting back to the Chris Mellon, then I'll address the question you just asked. Chris Mellon said, "Quote." He said, "I can say with a high degree of confidence that these craft are not coming." from the US government based on people that I talked to within and without at the time. Something, or I think if I if our close quote, I would say, I can say with a high degree of confidence that it is not US technology. 
You've heard him say that. So that that automatically, all the guys that are saying it's DARPA, it's a black program, they're not taking black program aircraft and DARPA aircraft and flying it into a Navy MOA that's been no-tammed to not fly into that area that air traffic will not let you go into with a conventional aircraft because it's a it's an active MOA. They can in, the Navy can inactivate that MOA and then that line that you saw that training area you saw that they that geometric shape on the map that line goes away when they deactivate the MOA and move the carrier group. But when they establish that MOA between these points and these points, no no uh, FAA agency is going to allow or direct aircraft or it becomes an unknown rider now you have norad involved now you're launching strike aircraft and all those things so i don't think the u.s is going to launch unknown untracked craft that they're testing into a military moa that's active with training under any circumstance i don't that's what tonopah for that's where the f-117 was developed at tonopah test range in nevada I actually had a friend who was part of it, uh, that program. And then uh, you have the Nellis Range. And then you do have Groom Lake Area 51, where they have a test range. You That is active 365 days a year, every year. You do not fly over that range in any aircraft. So anything that's in there has been, has been authorized in there by their air traffic control within that facility. Just, just in the interest of fairness, though, and I've I've said this before on my pod, like, devil's advocate, you, you you couldn't say with a hundred percent certainty that any government, let alone the US, would necessarily be beyond doing that if they had something that was sure. that advanced. Sure, which it's it's unlikely. It's still extremely unlikely, and that's just to say for anyone who's going, well, you don't know. No, we don't because maybe they do have a tic tac, and maybe it's so advanced they went. Do you know what? Let's let's put this out in the middle of a, you know, nuclear strike group and just see what happens, because they're so confident. But you're you're then looking at human error, and if I suppose, and again thinking of it this way, if you've got a tic tac and say it was U.S. technology, and you think, do you know what, this is perfected. The AI is incredible. It's not even manned. It's just mm-hmm. let's let's see what it can do. They put it up beside Fravers aircraft, and let's just say something happens again. Human error. It, it hits one of those vessels or it hits mm-hmm. Fravor's mm-hmm. plane and the worst possible scenario happens. Maybe they've got more deniability there that there was a massive accident on board or something. They can they can cover that up a little easier than sticking it in the middle of a Chinese carrier group or a Russian group. Because but I, I still I still doubt that's what happened at all anyway. And and like you say, Chris Mellon said at the end of Unidentified season two, this is not ours. It is not Chinese and it's not Russian. And it basically said that this is something else and then went in to talk about there are all these other galaxies, all these other possibilities, and he basically said this is not human. Yeah, And Lewis said as much as well. Yeah, I mean, and Chris Chris said it, I think, on Joe Rogan as well. Is, is where, But I think the point I was making is I was trying... I can't eliminate three possibilities. I can't say I know what the Russians have. I know what the yeah. Russians don't or the Chinese don't have. I don't even know what the U.S. has. But what I do know is I trust Chris Mellon when he says I've looked into it and this is not our technology. And I, now, so so that's his expertise, not mine. 
I don't believe as a former military planner that I would launch a training mission into an active training mission training area of another service and go surprise what do you guys think of this I don't think that would happen what I would do is I would bring an FA-18 into my training area and have him fly and try to detect that object that's what I I would do yeah it would be really stupid to advertise in this way what potential technology you do have so let's again just say Lou and Chris think this is something else but it is US technology that some little secret compartment know about within the US government or military they would have surely put a stop to we can't let China and Russia know that we've even got this type of technology you wouldn't want them knowing that you're basically advertising to adversaries so that that wouldn't have even came out because it would be crazy so yeah and like you say you can't discount that Russia or China do have but I can't remember what I was listening to last week it was someone else's podcast or it was YouTube or it might have just been a conversation but the worry would then be that if if China or Russia do have one of these um, or they have multiple Tic Tacs for example Mm -hmm. if they can fly those within seconds to be over every major city in Europe or the US or Russia or whatever then they are the, the only superpower on the planet because if they could stick a nuke on each one of these and literally fly them over the countries within seconds then you've no defense against that Oh, you could drop. You, you could just it. drop nuclear it. fissile material. Just make a strafing run on a city and probably drop a line of it throughout a, a city and infect you know tens of thousands of people before with... they even knew what was happening. Sure, like, yeah. Sure. So, so it, that's where again possible, you look and go. I doubt it. Yeah, I doubt it. Surely but, not. But I, 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 when people say, I also hear guys talking about DOE. Sure, there's DOE black programs. No, I. There is absolutely no way I would believe that DOE would launch a mission once again and fly into an active MOA. And what Chris Mellon talked about something else. I talked to you about the safety net around it, the radar net that surrounds a carrier group. They're not unprotected. They're not just out there cruising and anybody can just fly into their airspace without being interdicted, right? Um, And by the way, to answer your earlier question, I have no idea what Alex wants you know whatever rounds they have whether it's a 30 mil and several aims on the rail whatever type of armaments they carry i could find that out if from uh um i could find that out pretty easily if you wanted to know what kind of armament they carry um over at work but i have no idea they want to have it because they're always they're there to fight and kill other aircraft that's what they do that's that's the long and short of it um ac-130s shoot at people not other aircraft fa-18s shoot at aircraft generally speaking not people that's your a-10 and other uh attack platforms like apaches and things like that so um so anyway and the f-35 now probably is going to be doing some of that role as well and all three services have an f-35 the navy has a tail hook one the marine corps has one that takes off vertical and the air force has a standard uh Air Force version, so that'll be air to ground and probably some air to air, uh, but not air superiority like the F twenty two. So anyway, so I don't I don't know about that, but they just want to have weapons to shoot at it, even if it does nothing. Uh, and I have no idea what uh, if if they could have any effect on it. I don't think anybody knows at this point what 
effect they might have had against a tic-tac. What Chris Mellon talked about that was overarching is he said, you realize that when you put an airplane and a, a aerospace vehicle of some sort on the ground, okay, what do we have to have? Now we got to have a whole maintenance contingent. We have to have operators. We have to have logistics and parts. We have to have a hangar. We have to, and so now your footprint is growing and growing and yeah. growing. So we have to believe that this kind of footprint existed somewhere in Southern California where they could launch and ingress into a naval carrier strike group. That's what we have to believe. Or it was aboard a ship that was within that range that the Navy said that they talked to all those ships and said they didn't launch any drones or anything like that. We don't have, you know, that's what that's what the Navy says. I don't know if that's true or not, but I'll take them at their word. So now we're left with, I don't know what it is, but to me, that pyramid-shaped thing, if it's, if it's as legitimate as the Navy has portrayed it to be, is extremely compelling. I'm not trying to say it's, a, it's an alien. I'm trying to just say it's a UFO UAP. Yeah. And it's that something else. And you, you've used that language quite a lot speaking on this, DJ. Like, we're not saying aliens or flying saucers or other planets or it's just, you know what, it's something else. Or do you know what? If if some country and in, 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 on the planet has this kind of technology, that's still incredible. Because where did it come from? Why the leap? Where, where have you gone from using fuel to this? How do you pro- propel something the way you're propelling it? Positive lift, the five observables, you know, transmedium travel, everything else. Like the the right angle turns, eighty thousand feet to the sea, just above the sea in less than two seconds. You. It's such a leap. It's such a leap in technology that just doesn't make sense. I agree. I agree. So, and with that, so so I'll, I'll, in closing, um, do you think, are you going to have, do you plan on having Mick West on your show? And do you not think the, that he not should in the be on future. these shows? Okay. Do you uh, think that... Do you know what? Mick West's a really intelligent guy. I don't have the expertise to speak to Mick West on the subject and be able to argue with him the right way. I, and that's not to say I couldn't argue with him, but I I don't know. You know what like you're saying? There's people on people's shows that don't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to bring someone on like that and tell them they were wrong when he was right in so many things. Because he clearly does have some level of understanding, but it would need to be someone for me that understands what they're talking about. There's no point in just having these people on for the sensational look who I've got on my podcast. You need to have some level of understanding as to what they're talking about. Um, and that, that for me, like you say, that you don't think those pilots should waste their time with Mick or the like. Um, Lou Elizondo was really gracious and spent time with Mick. I think you could sense a level of frustration within that as well from Lou. Um, I'd love to see Lou uncorked, unplugged, unscripted whatever you want to call it and just let loose a little bit on a mic because I imagine Louis Elizondo has a lot of frustrations when he sits with a mic quest as does Chris Mellon because he said he gives no, he doesn't respect the Navy personnel, the SMEs yeah the the, uh, subject matter experts in in this field they are experts in this I'm not and I'm not gonna. I wouldn't. But I, I, I wouldn't bring him on a show opposite 
Would you bring him on your show opposite a Navy SME, an FA-18 crew member? Opposite someone who knew, knew what they were talking about then, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I really wouldn't. Uh, I respect if that Lou's going to bring him on out opposite the Alpha. Is that gentleman's name who did a phenomenal job, the Egyptologist Alpha Space? Is that his name? I think so. Okay. But, you know, l- let me clear up, though. Like, I, I wouldn't know because it would be hypocritical to unfollow him and just go, do you know what, this isn't healthy or helping. And it's that kind of cult of personality where he's got 4,000 extra followers since he's appeared on CNN who all now are looking at him. But hopefully, all we can hope is that people who have saw Mick on CNN have taken an interest in the topic and just do a little bit of digging themselves rather than this guy knows what he's talking about, so he must be right. But he's going to just... but. Whatever your naval Smee brings up, he's going to say, but what about, but what about, but what about, but what about until the end of the thing? He's ne- There's no circumstance where he's going to say, you know what, you've made a great point and perhaps I'm going to rethink this. Now, if you have an individual on, a skeptic, who is capable of uttering that statement, I want him on my show. Yeah. But if it's and somebody that's-, that's going to, but what about, then what's the point? Yeah, you would need like a Chris Mellon to sit next to him. And he's not worthy of that time for, exactly. for someone like Chris to, to sit and almost show him something that he shouldn't and say, okay, I'll, I'll show you exactly why you're wrong. And to show him a piece of footage or a picture or something to go, you can't disprove that. Oh, yeah. If it was something like that that he absolutely couldn't disprove, but it may take a while to get to that evidence but but even... i think that's why we've got the build-up of evidence that we do and the build-up of the footage and it's drips and drips and drips and if you're and the way i see what chris mellon and Lou Elizondo and, and co are doing it is a tactical release of the last couple of years and here's a little bit and here's a little bit and here's some more footage and here's something through jeremy corbell and george knapp and here's a declassified picture or here's Alex Dietrich, here's Ryan Graves, and they're coming out, and it's like, I don't think it's coincidental that it seems to be quite methodic and the pattern along the line of every so often we get a little bit more, and we're just waiting on that next that next more for me as the, the task force report, unless we get one more piece of footage or, or picture before that drops, which I wouldn't be shocked. Well, that is... Um, I agree, I... I... And I think that so you're saying you're we're, they're building a mountain that will eventually the boulder at the top will tumble down on on people who are trying to say that it's ridiculous and it's a nothing burger. I think is what you're saying. Yeah, I reckon the way I see it is the task force report may or may not come out in June. It might get delayed. But June twenty. We'll... Can you give me the date just for my edification? Is it twenty uh, I'll, June? I'll get it for you. Um, okay. But the, I think when it comes to it, the task force report needs to basically have an assessment or mm. we'll get the assessment separately and that will give us, it could be X, Y, or Z, but one of the options should state something else, non-human, uh, extraterrestrial, non-earthly origins, something like that, okay? That would be huge if that wasn't an official government report that, do you know what, this, this might basically layman's, this might be aliens. Okay, mm-hmm. let's just say that. But then aside from that, it's got to warrant further study where the task force, which is now set up to deliver this report, 
becomes permanent and we have this task force which we want the navy we want the air force we want anyone else to feed us including like commercial pilots all that kind of stuff anything to do with this let us know there's now no more stigma there's official reporting line of reporting don't worry about your and this is probably easier said than done you'll appreciate commanding officers or your bosses or whoever you know not wanting you to report stuff we are giving you a direct order that you have to let us know about these and it's followed up we can get scientists involved properly studying analyzing it fund it and it's it's public for the most part and that's that's my hope that my friend that my friends out there is what transparency looks like uh i think what what uh andy just said and i i wholeheartedly agree with him and hope that uh that that's what we get um and it's not again it's not to squash skeptics particularly skeptics that are honest brokers that are just trying to find if there's an alternate uh reason for what we're seeing that's not extraterrestrial i'm i'm with you i am only against dishonest brokers who are coming at it concluding that it can't be real so let me see if i can tear down uh people that were reluctant to come forward in the first place <laughs> so yeah so, so i'm with you man uh andy i really appreciate you spending some time on a sunday with me um, i wish i had more time to spend with you um well you know me anytime i do have time I'm, I'm more than happy to come on and i think there's going to be plenty to talk about in the next couple of weeks well you have your own segment now on my show called chilling with mcgrillin so it's really just a matter of you messaging me and saying i want to come on and you'll be on uh and tell uh miss alex yeah that uh you have an air force buddy and and you'll be co-host with me i don't i don't like to have these guests on and just do it myself like i i think it's more fun with, so I, I would have you on as well and uh, try to kick it around and see how much dirt i can get her to throw it at uh, the air force and how easy our landings really are compared to landing on carrier there's some there's a great scene in that documentary, Andy, of landing on pitching decks at night where heroically Fravor lands, he gasses up what's called an F-A-18 tanker, something I didn't even know that existed prior to this uh, watching this documentary, and he takes off because people are running out of gas. He gasses them and encourages them to try to land, and they're, they're hitting the deck going around, hitting the deck going around, and they were counting 26 go-arounds, which is extraordinary and scary when you're tired when it's dark and you're running out of gas and Fravor uh, went up there and just was giving after his crew day was over he went back up and gassed everybody up got everybody on the deck safely and uh, by the way it was against the advice to the, the captain of the ship captain of the fleet basically said sir I recommend we don't fly today I think the pitching deck I understand you want the training I think it's too much he said, "You will fly." So, you know, I'll he try has. And catch it. Yeah, it's it's really really good. So, folks, uh, all the way from Scotland, Andy McGrillen, thank you so much, brother. Have a great Sunday. Awesome, you as well, man. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon, brother. Anytime. All right. It's so far away. I'm a bad tree.